Yo, what's going on, everybody? I'm Andrew. I'll be joined today by Isaac. We're bringing you episode three of the challenge break. So, again, we, we've been back and forth saying we might change the name. I think we finally settled on what is going to be the permanent name for the show. Isaac, you, you, you want to tell everybody kind of how we came to this? Yeah, welcome to uh, the challenge break. You know, Andrew and I brainstorm a lot and have a little bit of fun thinking about what we're going to do. And last night around like 2 a.m., we were just kind of chilling and, uh, and I said, uh, you know, it would be kind of a fun name for us on podcast. It'd be The Challenge Brick. And so I texted Andrew around like 2 a.m. Poor dude wakes up at 4, looks at it, and is like, oh, my gosh, that's fire, dude. That sounds insane. So that's what we're going with. We are The Challenge Brick Wrestling Podcast. Boom. Already verified on Twitter that there are no other The Challenge Bricks. Wanted to get that out of the way. So coming to you, you know, a little early today, um, Isaac and I just both have, you know, we're kind of, kind of busy later on today and action starts tomorrow and you're not not going to talk about UNC Wisconsin before it happens. So we just decided, you know, heck, we'll just we'll just wake up early and go ahead and bang this out. UNC Michigan, yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did I, did I what did I say? Wisconsin. Because yes. well, Wisconsin duels too. We're going to, we'll talk about Gross and uh, the Wisconsin crew against the Edinburgh Scots. Boom. Exactly. Um, so another thing to knock off off the uh, off the slate here. I finally got to try the Popeye's chicken sandwich. Been waiting. It released back in the summer. Obviously, it was a huge craze. Uh, they've been out of them basically everywhere. Caught wind that they're back, and fi- finally got my hands on one. Have you had a chance to try one yet? I have not. Tell me, was it quite? up to the hype does it live up to the legend of the chick-fil-a sandwich Ooh, that's that's sacred territory um so i didn't get one fresh like at popeyes nice and hot so my assessment isn't completely you know 100 accurate my mom just brought one home so by the time i got home from work you know it wasn't really fresh it was good but I'm going to need to try one hot and fresh before I can go as far as to try and compare it to the Lord's Chicken. I just, it's going to be really hard to overtake Chick-fil-A for me, big Chick-fil-A guy. It was good, and it has kind of that signature Popeye's chicken taste, kind of with the crunch and the extra breading, but, man, I don't know. But I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to trying another one, though. It was good. All right, I'm going to have to uh, follow right behind you and try Popeye's Spicy Chicken to get a comparison. Good luck finding one. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, yesterday, uh, big news kind of drops out of nowhere, which is kind of what got us started working on the dock, looking forward to the weekend. We're like, hey, we've got to go ahead and get started on this. There's some big news. Um, we, we get up yesterday morning and see Jaden Ironman enters the transfer portal. Dude, wild. Another guy that we know is taking an Olympic red shirt this year, so we're not going to see him um, collegiately at 141, but we know that he is pretty high up on the Olympic ladder, having a great U.S. Open last season. Um, obviously, we know he's competed at the top level with Yanni uh, consistently, and he's placed third at NCAAs. So to me, I mean, this is a veteran move on Ironman's part to go somewhere where he believes he can have more legitimate success 
on the international world scene. Right, and I'll I'll be honest, this kind of stabbed a hole in what was going to be my like shocking pick for the season. I honestly was going to somewhat predict that Jaden Ironman was going to come out of Olympic red shirt second semester and win 141 pounds this year. I thought, you know, he would see this as his opportunity to win an NCAA title. Um, well, I think this certainly stabs a hole right in that theory. Um, I, I was able to watch Mark Bader's interview with him and, the, the, you know, they kind of discussed what led to this decision and whatnot. And Ironman spoke a lot about this is has basically everything to do with his world and Olympic aspirations that the regional training center situation at Missouri, you know, is not necessarily great. It's, they don't have a super solid regional training center. And he felt like he was getting to a place where he was just kind of stagnant, wasn't really getting any better. And that's coming off of a not great, but I'm sure to Jaden Ironman, you know, it, it was disappointing performance at U23s. Um, so really this didn't have anything to do with coach Brian Smith, Missouri Tigers, or any of his, you know, folk style wrestling success. This is already looking, you know, years down the line at how he can achieve his ultimate goals, which is, you know, a very mature decision for, you know, a or a college senior to be making. Um, he alluded to, he already has a school that he knows he wants to go to. It was mentioned several times throughout the interview. He has the one school that is his top choice, and it seems like it's kind of all but a wrap. He's going to go there if uh, everything works out. He was asked if he's going to visit other schools and whatnot, and he said, yeah, he'll probably have, you know, keep the doors open, but he seemed really locked in on what this one school, unnamed school, could be. You know, I mean, again, we we know that there's only three to four big RTC programs out there. Obviously, Penn State, Okie State, Iowa, Ohio State. But one that I would not be surprised to see him end up with, I know Ironman has a small rapport with um, who's the who's our buddy from OSU that was multiple time uh, Reese Humphrey. He has a small rapport with Reese Humphrey, and I would not be surprised to see him end up over at NJRTC because we know those guys are building a small powerhouse program. They already had two guys represented on the world team uh, at this past world championship. I wouldn't be surprised to see Ironman uh, go a little bit further north and end up at uh, New Jersey RTC. That would be awesome because NJRTC was definitely like the breakout you know, club of the year. They just they, they had a, quite an incredible year. Um, I, th I think it, you know, could be a tough fit with him and Bryce Meredith both being there, but sign me up for Bryce Meredith and Jaden Ironman matches every day. That would be awesome. I think the the tough spot with that would be I don't know where Ironman would stand as far as getting into Princeton if that's where he was gonna, you know, try to compete his final year. It, like you it's said, a good point. I, I think the the front runners have to be Penn State, Ohio State, Iowa, Oklahoma State, as, as you would imagine for somebody kind of this caliber also. Um, he, he made some points that I thought were notable, that obviously the Ironman family is basically tied to Missouri wrestling. They're, they've been very important to the entire history of Missouri wrestling. And basically day one that he could commit to a college, Jaden Ironman committed straight to Missouri, wanted to wrestle for his grandfather, um, 
didn't really give any other schools looks, didn't take visits, all these other things. He had schools contact him and whatnot. He wasn't super recruited, but he didn't even really capitalize on the recruiting possibilities. And now with the passing of his grandfather, he said he felt like it's time for him to, you know, get a change of scene. And he missed out on this whole like recruiting experience and kind of getting to decide where he wants to go that's best for him, you know, when he was younger. And so now, you know, it's kind of taking him and dropping him right as if he were a high school senior again, get to check everything out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a great opportunity, right? I mean, Ironman was a four-time champ coming out of Missouri and didn't get a whole lot of college looks. And like we said, uh, we know his family is pretty rooted in uh, Missouri. and He gave them an incredible three-time All-American performance under Mizzou. But this is a pretty cool opportunity for Ironman as well. Like you said, explore some uh, top potential programs outside of Mizzou. And uh, I mean, again, all all this says to me is, bro, I cannot wait for next year when we're talking about our prospect Olympic lineup because holy cow do we have some freakishly talented USA wrestlers coming up bro no kidding what a freaking time to be a wrestling fan so I'm sure you know we're going to be on Ironman watch I'm sure there's going to be another segment discussing this he said that the news on the school he's going to will be you know he's sure that it is coming so I, I imagine it really won't be too long and we'll have updates on this but speaking of freestyle Farrell is going to be absolutely absurd, so much so that, you know, when you started coming out of people that were registering, I was like, oh, man, we got to talk about this. And then I realized there's just entirely too much that we need to save it for its own complete episode so we can go through, break brackets down, make predictions, because the Bill Farrell this year is going to be one of the most fun tournaments of the entire year to watch. Bill Farrell's always always competitive it's right up there with the dave schultz international and yeah you're gonna see some quote-unquote dream collegiate matchups that we've never seen in the ncaa finals they're always like oh how do you think this guy would stack up with this guy if they wrestled at the same time in college well you're gonna have the opportunity to see those kind of matches at the bill farrell and we'll break that all down for you coming up here pretty soon Right, just to just to dangle a little teaser out there. Just just imagine a bracket with Amar, Chenzo, Makai Lewis, Jason Knopf, Nazar Kolchitsky. I feel like I'm still leaving somebody out. That's freakish. That's freakish. That's like a that's yeah, like, a, that's like, like an NCAA round robin. That's still just absolutely bananas, man. I I, I can't wait for it. So moving on, to put a bow on something that we kind of talked about last week uh, with Willie Saylor, he's now moved over to Rockfin, which was something I was not really familiar with until I kind of, you know, was following the links that Willie was posting. Um, Turns out, interestingly enough, that the creator of Rockfin is none other than Martin Floriani, the guy who was, you know, the founder creator of, you know, Flow Wrestling. Um, I thought that was interesting, you know, Martin left Flow, I believe it was last year. Nothing really, you know, too noticeable change as far as, you know, the content and the quality and whatnot. You know, it, it didn't get better, didn't get worse. Everything kind of just kept moving. Interestingly enough, somebody, you know, that's been a true OG, kind of been with Flow Wrestling, Flow Sports since day one, Willie Saylor, you know, up out of nowhere kind of announces he's leaving. 
and follows his former, you know, boss per se over to Rockfin. Great for Willie Ben. I'm glad to see him get not really picked up, but find a place to pick up so quickly. Um, like we've talked about, hate him or love him, the dude brings incredible awareness to this sport. Right, and so it seems like um, you know, I, I haven't actually bought a membership to the site or app or whatever yet, so I haven't been able to like really explore it much, but seems like it's a place where people can post, you know, just different like vlog type deals or even blogs. They can think you can have podcasts on there. Seems like you can post basically any kind of content you want. And it's ten dollars a month, which may seem, you know, seem a, a little high just, you know, for that. But you're you're not paying, you know, for each person that you subscribe to. You're just paying ten dollars a month. And there's all kinds of, you know, incredible people on there already. Imar's on there, Askren. Uh, Jordan Burroughs, the guys from PA Power, and obviously Willie Saylor. So uh, some great content over on Rockfin. So that's something definitely you know worth maybe checking out. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Uh, we will, you and I will definitely be personally checking that out. Uh, I think some others should make a, make a little bit of competition to Flow Wrestling, guys. We don't want a single wrestling conglomerate. I like that. Right. So um, another cool thing that, that we kind of saw as we're just browsing around um this new movie you know starring or not really starring i guess telling the story of anthony robles um what what all did you say about that yeah so uh robles for years i remember meeting him after he won his uh natty title over uh mcdonough and he came and like did a little talk at our high school a couple times and did a couple practices with us and his whole thing was his um his book uh, and his story that he quoted as unstoppable, right? And this ended up making a lot of national headlines because um, Robles won his national title with a single leg. He's the only NCAA athlete in history to win a uh, national title missing an appendage. And uh, his story gets nationally picked up. He wins a couple ESPYs, gets inducted to the National Hall of Fame. And then this just incredible incredible story that Robles has all of a sudden gets picked up by Dwayne the Rock Johnson's production company Seven Bucks Production partnered with 101 Studios and they are going to make a Hollywood film about the Anthony Robles story who as a lot of people know the big stuff he was a three-time All-American he's an NCAA champion but prior to that Robles struggled as a kid because he got made fun of. The dude won zero matches his first two years of wrestling in high school. Goes on to win an undefeated state title as a senior. I mean, this is an awesome, inspirational movie. This is an awesome movie for wrestling. I am so excited that somebody like The Rock is investing in this. This is this is just cool. This is so cool. Right. I'm, I'm super pumped, super looking forward to this. Yeah, the the story with Robles kind of goes, you know, that I think it was like age three, he basically, you know, they offered the option for him to have, you know, a prosthetic, you know, at an early, early age. He decided, no, that's not, you know, that's not how he wanted to live his life. He, you know, chooses to go without the prosthetic, lives his entire life, you know, just with this one leg, always finding a way to overcome challenges. I'm sure every single day there were challenges, you know, he faced. And so to be able to climb the mountains that this guy climbed and overcome all of the challenges he did is, if there's a story worth telling in sports, you know, this is certainly one of them. 
And like you were saying, it's awesome to see somebody like The Rock pick this up and want to run with this story. Um, we kind of saw this past weekend at UFC 244 with his whole promotion of the BMF belt and him, you know, wanting to put the belt on the winner and whatnot. You know, a lot of people, if you didn't already know, got a little more insight as to what this guy's reach is. This guy is possibly the, you know, most recognizable person on the planet today, you know, in, in pop culture, whatever you want to call it. Like, man, it, it, you're hard pressed to find anyone, whether they're, you know, a music fan, movie fan, sports fan. You put a picture of Dwayne Johnson in front of somebody and almost anyone can, oh yeah, that's The Rock. Even if they don't know anything about him, they still know who it is. This guy's reach is incredible. So the I, I just think the amount of eyeballs that his company is going to be able to put on this story and on the sport of wrestling is outstanding, not on, only for Anthony Robles, but for the sport of wrestling as a whole. Yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal. Let me tell you something, too. Like you said, Robles opted not to have that prosthetic. This dude moves faster on crutches than most people do on two legs. Like, the dude is a hammer in just everything he does. Absolute hammer. I remember seeing that. Um, I think it might have been, like, his maybe junior year NCAAs. I'm not, I can't remember what year it was. But the, the cameras were rolling, and guys were warming up, and they were talking about someone else, and they were just kind of running sprints back and forth, you know, across the arena. And I looked next to him, and Anthony Robles is doing sprints with his crutches, and he is as fast or faster than some of the guys around him. Now Dude, like, absolutely what, what cruises. What the heck is this guy doing? <laughs> it's incredible. It's incredible. If Crutch France were an Olympic sport, he's easily my my you know gold medal favorite. Incredible. And by the way, the dude has the upper body of like 157 Ryan Deacon or Hayden Heidley. Like the dude has the biggest freaking upper Hensi. body. Yeah, Andrew Hensi of a uh, body of a 125 pound wrestler you've ever seen. Like it's it's the dude is massive. Again, you'll probably hear this in the story. I hope everyone goes out and watches this film. Reads real this book, but the dude would crank out like 150 pull-ups at one time because of just how large his upper body was, and it's that's not an exaggeration. I mean, wrestlers do crazy stuff all the time, but that's not an exaggeration. Like, and it, it was it was penny cash. It was easy for him. No kidding. Really looking forward to that. All right, I might have to step it into overdrive a little bit here. Let's see. Moving on down to the Iowa wrestle-offs that aren't really wrestle-offs. They labeled them you know preseason matches, but I feel like anytime you have inner squad matches before the season starts, they're in <laughs> some shape, form, or fashion. Wrestle offs. Anyway, so uh, Thursday, today actually, already getting treated to some wrestling. Um, today we'll have Paul Glenn and Gavin Teasdale. That'll be a 133 pound match. Um, what, what are you looking for there? You know, Glenn is no slouch. Uh, last year, he actually made the uh, Midland semifinals opposite Noah Gonzer and lost a very contested 3-2 match. Um, obviously, Glenn sat behind DeSanto last year, but as we've seen in Penn State, Oklahoma State, and Iowa in particular, I mean, they are so stacked in terms of depth. Uh, Glenn is no pushover. That being said, I mean, this is our, our first look at Gavin Teasdale in a college singlet, in a Hawkeye singlet. Um, and Coach Brand says that we should be ready for this dude to kind of tear the roof off of uh, college wrestling a little bit. And if he's down at 133, um, I mean, that just continues, continues to strengthen the weight class of 133 to just a freakish level. Um, 
I think that I think that's kind of the highlighted quote unquote preseason match, and we get it on day one. Right. Yeah, I think that's going to be a good one. Um, I'm I'm right there with you. I think Paul Glenn's very tough, um, but give me Teasdale. So moving on, the the next matchup we have Michael Kammerer, Jeremiah Moody. Just going to be good to see Kammerer, you know, get back out there. Hopefully, you know, health is fine. Doesn't seem like going all the way up to 74 was really an issue. He he certainly appears to be, you know, well sized enough to to be at 174 pounds. Jeremiah Moody actually listed on the roster as 165 pounder. Um, not sure if this is something maybe just to make sure Kimmerer gets a match. Maybe Jeremiah Moody's actually going to be a 74 pounder. Yeah, not real sure what's going on there, but I'm excited to see Kimmerer. Absolutely, Kimmerer makes his return. Um, I mean, again, Iowa believes they're in a position and they're in a projected position to make a national title run, and this is kind of step one of that process. Right. Um. Then the other match we'll get Thursday. Um, Anthony Cassiope versus Aaron Costello. You, you know, you you definitely take Cassiope in this one, but he's a guy, you know, as far as heavyweights that can do some, you know, really entertaining things. Very, very talented on his feet. Um, I mean, I'm usually in to watch a Cassiope match. Cassiope's a monster. What I'm looking for from this match and then from Cassiope consistently during the uh, NCAA season is last year as a true freshman, Cassiope definitely took his lumps. We saw him get beat pretty bad at Midlands. We saw him get majored by Jerry Hino. Uh, we saw him lose quite a few matches. Uh, what I'm looking forward to seeing is Cassiope now make that leap into the upper echelon of heavyweights, where I want to see him competing with Mason Paris, who we'll talk to talk about later. I want to see him compete with Jerry Hino again. I want to see him competing and putting some points up against guys like Kassar and Stevenson, um, because that is where we know Cassiope um, has belonged up through his preparatory career, and I'm excited to see if he can make that next level jump, because I think that ultimately is going to uh, be some huge point scoring and maybe even determine the national title trajectory for the Hawkeyes this season. Right, yeah. If Iowa wants to make a, you know, really make a push and try to dethrone Penn State this year, this is one of those weights where... You know, you can take a guy that people may not be expecting a lot of points out of, you know, come March. But, you know, a guy that certainly if he's jumped levels and if he, you know, if he's hitting a stride right around NCAAs, you know, this is a guy, you know, you can see pushing into you know, maybe that top five or so and scoring a lot of points and really, you know, closing that gap or maybe, you know, actually taking the lead on Penn State. Absolutely. Absolutely. So then moving on to Friday, the the kind of big news-ish um, – We'll get we'll get Austin DeSanto. He'll be taking on Aaron Meyer, but this match is at 141. The thing is, there's no or well, Aaron Meyer is a 141 pounder. From what I understand, there's no actual weigh-ins for this. So, a couple things we could be looking at here is this: DeSanto could be coming down to 33. He's not there yet. Is this they just don't want the Teasdale DeSanto thing to be you know wrestled out in front of everyone? Is DeSanto just gonna be a 41 pounder? Um, you know, there's a lot of possibilities going on here. Do they just want to get DeSanto a match? They probably want to just get DeSanto a match, but honestly, we know that Coach Brands and the Hawkeyes tend to shoot pretty straight. Um, the only real crazy thing that we've seen in recent years is them pulling the red shirt off Spencer Lee, and we kind of kind of saw that coming. I honestly think that if these, again, they want to make a true national title push, DeSanto is 
the perfect size for 141. We've already seen Pletcher go from 133 up to 141 and have success. And I'm willing to bet that DeSanto's been in the weight room this past summer and past offseason anyway. I'm willing to bet that the dude is all of 141 pounds if that's where he chooses to or ends up competing. Definitely, but if on the on that same token, I feel like this guy burns like 10,000 calories a day just because everything he does is 500 miles an hour. <laughs> so, a monster. Who knows? I guess you know a lot of this. Uh, a lot of where DeSanto goes may be dictated by you know what what they get out of Teasdale. You know how Teasdale looks in this match against Paul Glenn, having a tough guy right out of the gate. Maybe as the year, you know, kind of starts out. If Teasdale doesn't like he's, you know, necessarily quite what they were hoping for to start with, maybe we see, you know, DeSanto start coming back down. You know, I think that there's just a lot of different ways they can play it, and I don't really think any are bad options because they, they have, like, eight guys from 33 to 49 that are all quality. So, which actually gets us to our next two guys. Vince Turk apparently now up at 149. They'll both wrestle Thursday. Um, they should both win their matches Thursday, which would set us up for the thing that looks the most like a wrestle-off. You know, they, they both wrestle other guys Thursday, and the winners of the two matches will meet then Friday. So this isn't, you know, we're wanting to get guys' matches or anything. These guys are going to be wrestling back-to-back days, and it's essentially a four-man bracket. Um, I think Turk can, you know, handle his own up at 49 against Lugo, but... I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a limb. Well, I guess it's not really on a limb. I'm gonna take the favorite here. I think Pat Lugo is, um, you know, I think I think he's solid. I think he's been good since he got in college. He was tough at Edinburgh. He had some, you know, kind of strange results and strange moments last year. Um, but you know, when he's on, he he's a tough guy. I think he's a guy that's right there, you know, pushing to be on the podium. I think Turk gives him a tough match, but I'm taking Lugo. I'm taking Lugo too. Again. When we look at the ideal best 10 lineup, I don't see another 149-pounder representing Iowa that's going to bring national title or All-American points. It's going to be Pat Lugo, and uh, I mean, this is going to be a good early season test for him. And it's uh, it's great, great work for Turk, too. I mean, again, like we've seen, Turk's been in and out of the lineup for a while for the Hawkeyes. Um, this is Lugo's last year, though, and and I think Lugo not only wins the spot, um, but uh, but it's going to be a point score for the Hawkeyes come this season. Yep. So um, another matchup that kind of maybe starts to raise some questions is going to be Nelson Brands taking on Jeremiah Moody. Who man, what a, what a weekend for Jeremiah Moody taking on Cameron than Nelson Brands back to back days. And so as I mentioned earlier. Moody listed as a 65-pounder. Brands listed as a 65-pounder. But the Brands have both been open about, you know, we don't know where, you know, where Nelson's going to be. He, he could be a 65, could be a 74. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they ended up filling this guy in in slots at 84 sometimes. I think they're going to kind of just put him where they need him. Um, I think this could be, you know, like the quintessential wrestle-off to decide who's going to be like their 174B. Because I don't think we're going to see Cameron wrestle the entire season. I don't think he's going to wrestle every event, every duel. He's a guy that if he's healthy, he can win a national title. However, he could also not even make it to March, you know. And so the load management and not putting Cameron out there when they don't necessarily have to is going to be important. 
So I think whoever wins this match is essentially going to be the guy that travels to everything and goes when Cameron doesn't. Yeah, you got to think, like you said, a big focus is going to be Kemmerer's health this season. We know that it's probably not going to happen that he competes throughout the entire season. Um, we also know that Nelson is Coach Brand's son. Nelson has some pretty uh, staunchy uh, preparatory accolades. The dude's placed at um, World Trials in Greco. He's he's a tough, tough bugger. I think this is this is a great matchup. I personally would like to see Nelson compete at 65 for the Hawkeyes this year, but uh, but again, Iowa can't go wrong with whoever wins this wrestle off and with whoever kind of becomes their Swiss Army knife to slot where they need, because this is an Iowa Hawkeye team that is going to make a run at a national title. It's just a matter of uh, how competitive it's going to be at that top top level. Right, and this is where I almost wish there were weigh-ins, because if they wrestle this match at 165, then you could see, you know, whoever wins kind of being the plug-and-play type guy, either for Kimmer or Marinelli, who, you know, has not exactly been the most healthy guy either. Um, or maybe the loser of this just goes down to 65, and they're kind of the, you know, backup to Marinelli. I, I don't know. I think both of these guys are, are going to see some quality time this year. They're both, you know, Super great young wrestlers that are going to be super important for the Hawkeyes going forward. So they'll get tons of experience this year. Absolutely, absolutely. So then the last, uh, you know, really good matchup that we're going to see is going to be Abasad and Cash Wilkie at 184. Abasad, you know, it, it really highly touted recruit, um, but does he is he quite ready, you know, to take on somebody that's as savvy and kind of a veteran top guys cash wilkie you know I don't, I don't know i think this is gonna be a really tough match i absolutely agree um again wilkie is another guy that we've seen slot in for the hawkeyes for quite some time um and uh we know Assad is another bad a dude um these are these are this is kind of the weight that i feel like uh the hawkeyes might be missing a major point getter um, so whoever ends up winning this spot, I look forward to seeing them hopefully turn up, uh, a lot of bonus points come down the end of the season and, uh, and yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see this, this is a weight that is kind of, uh, up in the air come March time. So we'll see how either of these guys competes over the season. Right. For sure. Uh, some notable things that, you know, aren't happening, uh, no mention of Jaron Glosser, which obviously they're kind of having the four-man bracket at 149, but surprise he's not included in that. I would think he's at least one of the top four guys, you know, in the room at 49, so I'm not sure what's going on there. No Carter Happel at 41, a guy that we've seen, you know, in you know, due time in and out of the lineup as well. Um, no Max Murin. That was probably the most notable one. Who knows? Maybe, you know, we, we all saw the clip of him trying to pick up the cat when they had their media day and, and the cat <laughs> kind of gave him the old three piece and a soda. Maybe the guy's got cat scratch fever. Who, who knows really what's going on? But, you know, no Max Murin. Um, as we mentioned earlier, not sure what this whole thing means for the weight class situation for both Nelson Brands and Jeremiah Moody. Um, so I don't know. You know, they label this as not wrestle offs and it, in a way, it makes sense because if, if if they were having just true resolves to determine all their spots, you would expect, you know, those three guys to all be, you know, in in the matches. Absolutely, absolutely. 
So this actually led me on a little bit of a rabbit hole too, because I was like, man, that's 149 is just bananas. Like they just have all kinds of guys. Um, I start, and I started looking. I was like, wait, there's one more name that's missing off of here, and that, that was Jason Renteria, somebody I mentioned on you know episode one. And so I, I just you know did a quick little Google, and he is he was not on the roster, and I was like, wait, what's going on here? And so you know, I, I dug a little bit further, and actually found an article that was like August 28th or so. And he's actually no longer in the student directory at the University of Iowa. So Jason Renteria is no longer at Iowa. He wasn't really able to be reached for comment, and Iowa didn't really make any comments about it. There's all kind of rumor and speculation about stuff he had going on back home or this and that and the other. Nobody, you know, it, nobody really knows for sure what's going on, but I hope we get to see Jason Renteria, you know, on a wrestling mat somewhere. Uh, really talented guy, and... You know, you, you just hate to see people just kind of fall into, you know, kind of the shadows the way he, he has. Yeah, I'm kind of bummed to see uh, Renteria not in the Hawkeye lineup this year. Because, again, I, all I think that does is add depth to uh, a team that we want to see compete for a national title. But all the best to Jay Rant wherever he ends up. And like you said, I really hope we see him on the mat somewhere because he's a talented dude that can make a splash come March. Right, so then uh, we'll move on into Friday, where we'll have one of our first, you know, good ranked matchups of the year. We'll have, you know, the number 18 North Carolina Tar Heels take on the number 24 Michigan Wolverines. And what what is a good duel, but man, if, if Olympic red shirts weren't happening, could be a great duel. But um, we'll just kind of go ahead and hop into it. So at 125... North Carolina will be rolling out number 23, Joey Melendez, a redshirt freshman. He, he's a guy that, you know, they're super high on. I think this kid's super talented, and he's going to be good for the coming years for, for North Carolina. And he'll be taking on either Jeremiah Derby, a redshirt freshman, or Jack Medley, a redshirt sophomore. Yeah, so the Tar Heels are actually, um, because Melendez has had some little issues, Dar- Derby might be um, the Tar Heels' choice at 25 this week. Um, I hope that we see Melendez. The dude was an absolute hammer. Uh, his redshirt uh, red season last season, he took second NCOs, um, pinned Heinzelman, who we know ended up being a uh, NCAA qualifier. I look forward to see him uh, make his Tar Heel debut. Um, like you said, the bummer about Michigan right now is that we are missing a lot of their hammers. There's a lot of quality matches that were. Um, we're not going to get to see because guys are Olympic redshirting, but uh, but this is a good little test for Joey Melendez to get out on the mat, hopefully, and uh, get the first one out of the way. Right. So then up at 133, we'll have Jamie Hernandez, a redshirt sophomore, taking on Austin Assad. Hernandez, you know, another young guy that Coach Ramos and staff, you know, have been giving a lot of praise to. This dude is super tough. I know he has some really good freestyle results this past year. Austin Assad, a guy that's, you know, been in and out of the lineup some for Michigan. It's tough when you're kind of behind Stevon Micic. Uh, but, you know, he's he's no slouch, so that, that should be a really good match. Absolutely. And actually, I, I do know Assad is one heck of a freestyle wrestler. He's one heck of a feet wrestler. Um, and I, I think he's going to be a great point scorer for the Wolverines this year in, uh, in Micic absence. Don't be surprised if you see Assad crack that top 25. Uh, national ranking and and make a uh, uh, interesting appearance come March. 
Right. Then up at uh, 141, we have number 23, Zach Sherman, a redshirt sophomore from North Carolina, taking on Ben Freeman, a redshirt sophomore from Michigan. Um, not really, you know, a ton here. Ben Freeman, I know he's had some, you know, so he, he has some good wins to his name, but he certainly has some not great losses, too. He's kind of been a little all over the place. Not real sure what you're going to get. Both guys, you know, are pretty good, though. I feel like they're on about the same tier right now, so I feel like this is going to be, you know, another competitive matchup. I like this one because Sherman is going up from 133. Um, he finished third at Midlands last year. He was an NCAA qualifier the year before. Um, I, I think he he is a staunch, tough wrestler. Obviously, he comes from Blair Academy, which we know just churns out hammers. Um, this will be another great guy to keep an eye on at a 141 weight class that's pretty wide open um, because this dude has the potential to be that kind of uh, that kind of bomb on the backside and front side come March. Right, so then moving on to 149, we have Gino Esposito, a redshirt sophomore, going to be taking on either Ben LaMancha, who's a, a grad, or Nick Freeman, a redshirt sophomore from Michigan. Um, I don't know, honestly, much about any of those guys. Really, the, the key takeaway here at 149 is where is number one Austin O'Connor? Um, he wasn't listed in the probables. Flo Wrestling made a post last night with a picture of him and said, this guy will be in action this weekend. But the North Carolina, you know, press release didn't have him in the probable. So I hope we see Austin O'Connor. I hope we see Austin O'Connor, too. We uh, we know that the Tar Heels were in action this past weekend um, already. Uh, and we did not see uh, Austin O'Connor there. So I sure hope that we see him in the 149 lineup. But like you said, the press release that we got um, for the quote-unquote probable lineup of this duel, O'Connor was not listed. Um, so hopefully there's no injury, um, no issue there, and they're just trying to give some other guys time. But uh, O'Connor's a guy to keep an eye on at 149 this year, obviously being the number one ranked wrestler because uh, he could potentially bring home uh, Ramos and Coleman Scott's first NCAA championship. Right. You remember when he won the wrestle-off last year and Heilman was, like, number three at the time of the wrestle-offs and he, like, kind of hammered him? Kind of hammered him. That's crazy. That is crazy. <laughs> so up at 157, this is setting up to be a pretty good match here. A.C. Headley, who, um, you know, is a, a really, really highly touted recruit. He's kind of had some mixed results, but he's a guy, you know, if he, if he ever kind of comes into form and is on, he's a super tough wrestler. He's been taking on number eight, Will Luan, who's actually, you know, coming off of a loss at the Michigan State Open last weekend. Yeah, in fact, we'll uh, we'll talk about the guy that beat Will Luan a little later. Um, we know Luan can wrestle, obviously. He's he's ranked very high by Intermat and Flow. Um, we saw him beat uh, Pantaleo last year. Um, in uh, in the wrestle off and in uh, the Michigan State Open, so we know the dude can compete um, at the NCAA level. Um, but he is coming off kind of a bumpy loss this past weekend to Kendall Coleman, and I think uh, I think AC Headley gives him all he can handle. Honestly, like you said, Headley's a guy that's uh, he's been around for quite a while, uh, was highly touted. Um, hasn't quite put it all together yet to make that like consistent top 25 ranking, but, uh, but 
doggone, I think he gives Wuluan all he can handle in the Wan's first full season in the Maize and Blue, and I think this is going to be uh, maybe the uh, the highlight matchup of uh, that doesn't feature two ranked guys. Right, yeah, I could, yeah, AC Headley's certainly on the short list of really good guys not ranked, you know, at that weight. Um, then going on up to 165, not really going to be too competitive a matchup with Reese Hughes or Lane Van and Roy taking on number 16, Kennedy Monday. But I'm just excited to see how Kennedy Monday bounces back after the letdown, uh, you know, that happened this last weekend with the way his match just kind of fell apart in the last uh, about two seconds. Um, <laughs> so, you know, just it's just going to be good to see him get back on the mat and kind of see, you know, how, if it affects him, if it's kind of, you know, one of the things he's already just kind of put behind him. Absolutely. We know Kennedy is another guy um, that the Tar Heels have pegged to be a point scorer come March. Uh, and this is going to be a good, like you said, a little mental toughness test for Monday coming off a uh, loss to Quentin Perez in the finals last week by literally pin in the last two seconds, getting reversed to his back and stuck. Because um, that that is kind of a young mistake to me of a guy who kind of uh, gets beaten in the last couple seconds. That's a little bit of a mental thing. Um, so I think Kennedy Monday gets right back on his horse, hammers in this duel, and uh, and looks good the rest of the season. Right. At 174th, another match that just don't know a ton about with Clay Loud, a redshirt sophomore, taking on Max Mailer, a redshirt freshman. Again, the notable thing here is no number 14, Devin Kane for the Tar Heels. Yeah, uh, I don't I, I don't know why we have uh, a couple ranked Tar Heels according to Intermat and Flow um, who are absent from the Tar Heels official uh, probable lineup release. Um, hopefully, we'll see Kane down the line as well. But this is a this is going to be a a fifty fifty matchup between Lau and Mailer, which uh, could ultimately kind of determine the duel. Right, right. A lot of these matches, you know, going to be super competitive. Uh, so 184, kind of, you know, similar story as, as 165. It should be, a, you know, kind of a one-sided match with Jelani Embry taking on Chase and Blair. But, you know, another guy I'm excited to see, you know, how he reacts after, you know, not just losing, but kind of getting handled in the finals by Nino Bonacorsi last weekend. A guy that he, you know, in the past has been on a similar tier with, and you see, you know, is this Embry regressing some? Is this Bonacorsi jumping to the next level, which is kind of what I think it is. Um, it's just going to be good to see, you know, Embry get back out there and kind of see, you know, how he performs coming off that loss. Absolutely. And uh, duels are always a little bit more fun to watch because you're guaranteed to see each of these guys uh, compete in a projected matchup. So like you said, this is another opportunity similar to Monday for Embry to get right back on his horse, uh, right the ship a little bit, and uh, kind of set the trajectory for the rest of the season to be only up and to the right. Right, for sure. At 197, uh, redshirt freshman Brandon Whitman going to be taking on Jackson Strigo, who you know has always been a pretty solid guy. I think Strigo you know, handles that one, but maybe Whitman can... You know, it's a good measuring stick for him to kind of see where he is, you know, as a redshirt freshman. Yeah, another guy we know Strigo has been in the lineup for uh, the Wolverines for a while. Um, he had a tough, tough Big Ten uh, championship last season. Um, 
but he's he's beaten some tough dudes. He beat Arizona State's uh, Austin Harris, who was ranked for a while last season. Um, we've seen him compete legitimately in the Big Ten. So I, I think uh, I think this is another one that that Michigan takes. Right, and th- that all sets us up for probably the best match. Eh, yeah, at least uh, as far as the rankings would say. Um, we'll have number 23, Andrew Gunning, coming off of, you know, went, winning a title at an open this past weekend, a redshirt sophomore, taking on number five, Mason Paris, a sophomore who's coming off of, you know, the Junior Worlds performance and absolutely just torching everyone last weekend as well. Yeah, Gunning is ranked 23rd. He's a very solid heavyweight for the Tar Heels. Um, the dude actually competed in the Pan Am Games uh, last, well, this past year, uh, representing Peru. So the dude has a little bit of international experience. He's won some matches in Midlands. But with the way that Mason Parrish just looked this past week, I think Parrish gets bonus points here. Yeah, that's what that's what I was going to ask. I was, you know, are you, are you taking bonus or not? And I am as well. I think he... Uh... You know, Gunning's tough. I don't think this is any knock to Gunning, but I think Mason Paris is is kind of transcending levels this year. I think he's just really, really going to be a high point scorer. Absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, I won't normally, you know, call out the the class of people for, uh, you know, for all the duels, but I, I just wanted to make it a note on this one because a lot of young talent going to be on display for two teams that – you know, are setting themselves up to be in the mix for the coming years. You heard how many different people, you know, redshirt freshmen, sophomores, redshirt sophomores, you know, they've got all kinds of true freshmen waiting in the wings too. Both of these teams, you know, have, have been on the up and up the last couple of years, been putting out quality lineups. Obviously, Michigan's heard a lot by all the people taking Olympic redshirts, but both of these teams with a lot of young talent that um, is going to keep them, you know, very relevant for, for the coming years. Absolutely, absolutely. We know the Tar Heels are built in one heck of a program. They've got a incredible RTC program coming their way, only strengthening the college guys. Um, and then obviously Michigan is uh, facing quite a few Olympic redshirt hammers this season. But uh, holy cow, we know how talented the Wolverines are when they have their full lineup. And uh, and yeah, these are both two really young, solid teams that you're going to see make uh, trophy pushes in the next couple of years. Also, shout out to UNC with uh, Tony Ramos getting a promotion and Jordan Oliver being hired onto the staff full time. That's uh, awesome for both of those guys. No kidding, no kidding. That's that's a pretty scary staff when you look at it, dude. Come Jeez, on, McGee, Coleman no Scott, Tony Ramos, and Jordan Oliver. I mean, yeah. if you're between 125 and 149 pounds and you're not taking a long, hard look at the Tar Heels in your recruiting process, then uh, I don't know what you're doing because that's about as good as it gets when it comes to lower weight coaches. You might also take a lot of long, hard ass kickings in the wrestling room too. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, no kidding. It's uh, it's probably not fun to get whooped on on your feet by Coleman Scott, Tony Ramos, and Jordan Oliver in yeah. the same room as a number one ranked Austin O'Connor, Will Luan. I mean, come on, that that's a hard room. That's a good room to be a part of. Right. Uh, so. Also going on Friday, number five, Wisconsin taking on Edinburgh. Don't think there's you know, necessarily going to be too many great matches there, per se. Uh, Wisconsin just kind of on another level. But you know, it's always fun to see Bono's squad. Um, anytime you're rolling out, you know, Gross, Moran, Martin, Wig, Trent Hilger. You know, they, they always make for entertaining duels. 
um, yeah, they're, they're just a fun team to watch. So, you know, just because it may be a fairly one-sided duel uh, doesn't mean it's one worth just completely skipping. Absolutely. And I think this is a great scheduling matchup for Bono's team. Um, I'm sure Bono knows, as we as wrestling fans know, Edinburgh is no slouch in terms of their program. They've always had really tough, solid PA kids. Uh, so I think, again, this is just a great kind of early season tune-up for uh, the Badgers. And uh, it's always fun when you get to see a national champion like Gross get rolled out. Right. So moving on into Saturday, um, what we, they'll be having the journeyman duels. A uh, lot, lot of you know teams and duels and stuff going on there. So we'll just kind of give you the, the rundown. Uh, some teams that are going to be there, we've got Buffalo, number 23, Purdue, who's coming off, you know, a really strong showing at the Michigan State Open, Utah Valley, um, number 20, Virginia, uh, Sacred Heart, and it sets us up for the, the best duel of the whole thing, likely, that's going to happen. It's going to be number four, Arizona State, taking on that number 23, Purdue team, is the one I'm most excited about. Um, it's going to be our first real look at Arizona's lineup where, you know, they're putting out a lineup that, that can seriously contend, you know, not only for a trophy, but, you know, maybe uh, so maybe they're not quite there to try to win the team title, but they're certainly, you know, a trophy team. And I know, uh, I know Coach Zeke believes that the Sun Devils can compete for a national title this year. I think this will be an open test, uh, the, kind of the first season test, wrestling Purdue. Um, we know they're rolling out some young guys. Across the board, we might see um, Cole Schultz at 285. Um, we're going to see Anthony Valencia, hopefully back in the lineup. We're going to see returning national champ Zahid up at 184. Um, this is going to be a great, great showing. If you're if you're uh, not busy as a wrestling fan, this is a duel I'd want to tune into at the very least because the top matchup, Andrew, that we've already anticipated a little bit is going to be at 157. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead and tell us a little bit about that one because it, it's saucy. So last week, and we talked about this on the show earlier, uh, Kendall Coleman ran through a absolute gauntlet at 157. Beats Eric Barone, beats the aforementioned Will Luan, who we know is ranked eighth in the country, beats Zach Carson, and then beats Anthony Ardalone in the finals, and all of a sudden shoots up the rankings and is currently ranked number six in the country after being unranked. The classic not ranked to six. Because <laughs> we see that so often. I think this is the perfect, perfect opportunity for, does Coleman really deserve this sixth in the country ranking? Because he will hopefully be competing against one of the biggest recruits in a while, representing Arizona State, hopefully rolling out Jacory Teamer who we know on the international level is a freak. We know on in collegiate wrestling is an absolute freak. Can he make the jump to compete in college against a guy who just came off maybe his best tournament ever, now sporting a number six ranking? This 11 versus six matchup looks saucy. I am excited to watch this match more than maybe any other um, come this journeyman duels. Right, yeah, that's, that's certainly... Uh going to be the one I have circled also. Um, there, there's some other solid, you know, duels that are going to be going on too, but it, it's headlined by definitely the biggest duel 
that's non-D1 as we got number one Pitt Johnstown taking on number two St. Cloud State and what will effectively decide, you know, who's the team to be for Division Two. And I know a lot of casual wrestling fans don't quite know the scheduling of Division Two. It's a little bit different than Division One, especially come like dual season and super regionals and whatnot. But this is the quintessential equivalent of Iowa Penn State or Oklahoma State Iowa. Like this is the biggest Division Two duel you will see all season. You have to tune into this one. Pitt Johnstown is sporting a insane insanely competitive lineup their first two guys in brendan howard who's a returning 125 pound all-american dude's looking to make a national title run and his training partner who we talked about last week and tyler warner who is the defending national champion i mean these are two guys that are just absolute hammers who headline a freakish start to a stacked Pitt Johnstown team up against maybe their biggest Division II competition in St. Cloud State. I mean, this is this is a matchup that you have to watch just as a fan of the sport. It's going to be fun. Right, yeah, really looking forward to that. So also going on on Saturday, we'll have um, number 25, the Campbell Camels. Gosh, we just, we've got to do something about the Camel. Campbell Camels. Um, <laughs> traveling to take on number 14, Pitt. And there's a couple notable matches here. Um Headlined certainly by the 133 match as Noah Gonzer, number eight in the country, is going to be taking on number four, Mickey Philippi, who was not overly impressive, you know, the first weekend. And so he's not going to get to follow that up with, you know, some some scrubs to beat up on and kind of, you know, get back feeling good. He, you know, he's been thrown right into the fire as he's got number eight Gonzer coming in to take him on a guy who wrestles, you know, somewhat of a similar style. And man, I'm excited for that one. I think that's going to be the highlight of this match, too, Andrew. Um, both Gonzer and Philippi are absolute Matt wrestling hammers. Neither of these guys get ridden out a lot, and these guys ride out everybody. So what happens in this match? I think this match is going to be a one-point takedown-deciding match. Maybe we even get to see what I think would be a lot of fun a tie-breaking ride-out match. Um, this is a great opportunity, in my opinion, for Gonzer to come out and establish, like, hey, not only am I a contender for All-American status, but I am a cemented contender for All-American status this season by going out there, and hopefully I'm taking Gonzer in an upset over Philippi this weekend in pit. Are we looking at a double auto top here? We just might be. We just might. Well, I take that back because knowing Noah Gonzer personally, I mean, I've wrestled Philippi as well, but knowing Gonzer personally, knowing the program that Coach Cola has over there, Cola will always make you pick bottom because Cola guarantees you have to get that one point. That's going to that's, that's, that's gonna ultimately decide the match. Can Gonzer get off bottom from Philippi? I know Gonzer can ride Philippi. Can he get off bottom? That's going to determine this match. Right, yeah, that, that's going to be a good one. Then up at 141, we have number 17, Hall taking on a freshman, number 21, Cole Matthews. And, you know, Cole Matthews is a you know, really talented young guy. This is going to be kind of, you know, his first test, you know, against a ranked, you know, already proven guy in Hall. And also for Hall, this is, you know, another chance for him down at a new weight to 
get another ranked win kind of you know to his ledger as I'm I'm looking for him to kind of climb this ranking fairly quickly. Yeah, Cole Matthews is a young dude. Like you said, he's coming off a, a red shirt season. Um, dude is a classic Pennsylvania hammer um, who uh, has been in the Ironman finals. He's, he's wrestled at some really, really tough, tough tournaments in his prep career. Um, wrestled unattached all last season and won a couple of, uh, a couple of little college tournaments. Um, this is going to be a great test for him. Um, ultimately, though, Heil has been an established contender. We've seen him take out Max Thompson a couple times, who's a former uh, NCAA All-American. We've seen Heil compete in March. I think this is a year that you see Heil start to insert himself into that guaranteed national uh, All-American contention. And I think he handles Matthews in this match and sets up a great, uh, great duel outcome for uh, the Camels as well, right behind Gonzer. Right, so then up at 165, we've got another ranked matchup in number 15, Quentin Perez, taking on number 18, Jake Wenzel. Um, really just kind of looking forward to seeing Perez get back out there after, you know, the crazy, crazy match that we, you know, talked about earlier that he had with Monday. Um, just really looking forward to seeing him compete again. Yeah, Perez is another guy for the Gamblers to talk about, okay, you want to see... Um, Flow recently discussing um, schools that have never had a Division One national championship, and uh, the fun projection was list of schools that the Campbell Camels would be the first uh, team of that list in a national champ. Uh, Quinn Perez is the guy who uh, we've seen be right in the mix of uh, top 25 ranked guys, but hasn't quite hit that upper echelon. But in this past week, I saw stick Kenny uh, Kennedy Monday just continuously wrestling. Um, I think Perez goes out there, handles business against Wenzel, and continues to establish himself as a top-tier 165-pounder who can absolutely break into that category of elite 165s. Right, I agree. Then up at 184, we've got number 22, Andrew Morgan, you know, a guy that you're very high on, taking on number four, Nino Bonacorsi, who we saw just look phenomenal last weekend. Nino Bonacorsi is a point scorer. This dude just hammers and hammers and hammers and hammers away. He is not a joke when it comes to the 184-pound weight class, obviously sporting the number four ranking in the country. Um, this is, this is going to be a tough, tough order for Drew Morgan to handle. I do believe that you'll see Drew deep, deep in the tournament come March. Um, and this is going to be a great, great test of where's Drew Morgan at? I, I don't know that, uh, Bonacorsi is going to go out there and handle Andrew. Um, but to me, this is, this is a great test of where, uh, where Drew kind of shakes up in, uh, in the legitimate viewpoint of national rankings. Um, I don't know if I can take the upset here, though. I love Andrew Morgan. I love the Campbell Campbells. But uh, Bonacorsi, I mean, this dude really does seem like he's on another level um, in terms of 184 competition. And don't be surprised if you see um, Bonacorsi sitting at the top of the podium this year. Oh, that's a tough ask. With uh... Right with Zahid. Yeah. I, yeah I, but... I, I honestly think you see Nino maybe make a uh, – a national championship appearance. Yeah, yeah, I think that's definitely within reach. Um, 
yeah, I think a matchup with him, like him, him and a guy like Ben Darmstadt is, you know, going to be super fun to watch. But I could definitely see him maybe being an NCAA finalist. You really just don't want to be the four seed is what it's going to come down to. <laughs> That's exactly right. No one wants to be on the side with Zahid. Yeah, so up at uh, heavyweight, we've got a top 15 matchup where I'm actually going to take the upset here. We've got number eight, Jerry Hina, taking on number 13, Demetrius Thomas. And I know you're high on, you know, on Jerry, but, man, Demetrius Thomas, he's he's quite the freaking athlete at heavyweight. I know he, he dropped the match last weekend, kind of slid down the rink in some. But he's a guy that I've been pretty high on since the start of last year. I think this is, you know, going to be a super good result for whichever guy wins, and I don't necessarily think it's a bad loss for either guy that, you know, whoever loses. I think we're going to see at the end of this these guys ranked like if Demetrius Thomas, you know, wins, I think we see them ranked kind of close to each other, maybe nine and ten, something like that. I don't really see it, see it being too bad of a loss for either guy either. Yeah, um, Demetrius Johnson, or Demetrius Johnson, Demetrius Thomas is a solid dude. Uh, he went one and two at NCAAs last year, won the ACC championship at 25, which again, ACC is not an easy uh, conference. Um, the dude won a national title in NAIA um, prior to transferring to Pitt. I think this is a great matchup um, in terms of your uh, matchup kind of prowess. This is right up there with the Gonzo Philby match. But um, but I'm excited to see the Camels roll out Jerry Hino this week. I think he's the guy that um, can slot in uh, a lot higher than his number eight ranking. I, I, I can't bet against Jerry in this one. Yep, and that's definitely respectable. But, you know, actually, little known fact, Demetrius Johnson was also a 285 All-American before uh, cutting all the way down the fight at 125. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Yeah. I know. I was like, Johnson was like, that's flyweight. My bad. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that pretty much wraps up. Sports mixed up. Yeah, it's tough sometimes. <laughs> so that that wraps up Saturday. So moving on into Sunday, um, Campbell will also be taking on Ohio. There's really, you know, only only one very notable match from that. At 133, we'll have Gonzer, who we've talked about a lot, taking on number 23, Mario Guillen, who I'm not incredibly familiar with. Yeah, Mario Guillen is a, a tough dude for um, Ohio. We've actually seen a couple uh, tough 33-pounders for Ohio in the last few years, 33 and 41. Um, they had a qualifier a couple years ago. Um, and the reason that I have this noted so much is, uh, again, Gons are sporting a top 10 ranking this season coming in. Guillen is just right on the cusp of uh, that top 25, sitting at 23. But Guillen uh, beat Gonzer in the Campbell-Ohio duel last season so this is definitely one to watch um a little bit of an upset alert but i think gonzer's still i think he's on another level this year i think he goes out and takes care of business but this is uh this is definitely a match to watch in the campbell ohio duel right i agree i'm excited to see the result from that one obviously i'm taking gonzer i don't i don't necessarily think it goes you know the same way again but you know this is a guy that's pushed him before so it'll be good to see so then I uh, also have the Journeyman Classic, where there'll be some of the teams competing that were, you know, in the Journeyman duels, and then there's some more teams coming over to compete in the Classic portion. They, they do, you know, the whole pools and round robin and just all, all kinds of weird stuff with it. So what we're going to do is we're just going to name off, you know, some of the best guys at a couple weights and kind of just pick who we think is, you know, going to come out, you know, as 
the best guy from it this weekend, at least. So at 125, we'll have a uh, you mean 145? 145. <laughs> Classic Dom Demas at 125. 140. So at 141, we'll have number two Dom Demas, you know, coming off the loss to Pletcher, and we'll have number seven Chad Red also. And I think this could be one of the more difficult matchups to pick just because of the two guys that it is. I mean, we know both Demas and Red are fun to watch because both these guys just kind of throw caution to the wind. We know Red has taken some really weird loss in the past, but he has kind of also proven himself as a little bit of a Mr. March when it comes to making uh, deep All-American runs. Um, We know Demas obviously just had his offense shut down a little bit against Pletcher last weekend, but I think uh, to see this matchup happen, I mean, you're looking at possibly 20 points being put up on the board total between these two guys because these guys do not stop wrestling these guys throw caution to the wind with a lot of inside trips uh, a lot of slick ducks and throws this is going to be a fun fireworks matchup uh that may set the precedent for a uh, overall match of the year right and i'm always kind of curious like if christian piles just drives the chad red you know trained so hard like he is just he picks chad red to win almost any wrestling match he's in and i know how talented chad red is but there's been times where i like dude like there's just no reason to pick chad red here and sometimes it frustrates me but then i look at a matchup like this and i want to take chad red that's what i'm saying dude he's right in the thick of it i mean again when you watch red style when you watch red's prep career when this guy is on, I mean, he's darn near unstoppable. Now, granted, he is wrestling Dom Demas, who we know is has been on other levels in terms of competition. We've seen him take down Yanni. We've seen him look really good. But I mean, this is this is when I'm putting Demas on upset alert again. I think I think Red, uh, I think Red gives Demas all he can handle, and I, I'm picking Red in an upset uh, at the Journeyman this week over Demas. Right, I'm I'm taking red too. Uh, it kind of pains me to do it, but I'm doing it. I just I just don't have much faith in Demas. I just think it just his offense is just unreliable. It's just like I mean, you just I mean, he, now it seems pretty reliable for him, but I just have a hard time, you know, betting on a guy with his style of offense just because you just never know how it's going to turn out. So I'm going to take red too. Then up at 165, man, this is awesome. We'll have uh, there's number five Isaiah White, number six Josh Shields, and number seven Demetrius Romero, um, who I was just overly impressed with last year. Yeah, uh, you being at the uh, Big 12 tournament, you've know and you've seen Demetrius Romero personally, and we know that he uh, went out and beat JoJo Smith at uh, 65 last year. I mean, this dude is no slouch. He is more than deserving of his number seven ranking um but what i'm really looking forward to seeing here is uh isaiah white we know isaiah white has taken chenzo to overtime before uh we've seen him compete but as i i really hope that this is kind of the year where white breaks out makes that uh semis appearance nationally and i think this is a great opportunity to kind of cement himself as hey i'm a top five guy this whole year and i deserve to be in that top five national uh national contender mix with the wicks and the chenzos um because that's that's where i think white's potential is now granted josh shields and the aforementioned romero are no slouches by any means um this is this is a fun one to watch between five six seven all ranked 
all in the same way this week. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. So would you take him finishing in, in that order? I'm going to take White Romero Shields. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to do a little uh, plot twist. I'm actually going to take Shields to come out on top. I'm big Josh Shields guy. I may just be picking him because I – I like him. I, I don't know. I'm all. I've always thought, you know, he's super good. He rarely loses to guys, you know, that he shouldn't, and he's always right there with the top guys. I can certainly see, you know, Isaiah White finishing ahead of him. I believe he did at NCAA's last year, but I just, man, I've, I've just got a good feeling about Shields this year. Um, I'm actually going to take Shields, White, Romero, and I think Romero actually can give either one of these guys, you know, all they can handle. I think he's a tough matchup. Um, but give, give me Josh Shields. All right, so, I like it, I like it. Yeah, up at 174 um, at the tournament, it's going to be number two, Jordan Cutler, number four, Mikey Labriola, number 10, Anthony Valencia, and number 11, Kimball Bastion, who's you know, a pretty solid guy. Pretty solid. Um, I mean, we've seen all these guys compete at the best level, obviously. Bastion, no slouch. Um, I'm interested to see Anthony Valencia back repping a Sun Devil singlet again. Um, I think being up at 74 is going to be really healthy for him. He's going to be bigger, stronger, faster. We know coming out of high school, I mean, Anthony was more highly touted than Zahid was, um, but hasn't quite figured it out, I guess, at the collegiate level. His style is a little bit, uh, has, has had a hard time kind of translating. I personally think he's a better freestyle wrestler, um, but with that whole year off, and obviously he has a brother who is right in the exact same wheelhouse of weight classes, um, I think Valencia is a guy who can definitely push at 174. That being said, Jordan Cutler is on another level of 174. Save it for just Zahid and Mark Hall. This dude might already have a couple national titles under his belt. Um, so I think uh, I think Cutler handles Valencia and Bastion. Um, the kind of wrench in this is Mickey Labriola. This dude is a pinner. This dude puts people on their backs from everywhere. Um, but I still see uh, Cutler finishing this one out and and uh, taking the gentleman. Right. Yeah. It's, it's hard to see anybody um, anybody in this group, you know, taking out Cutler. It's really hard to see anybody outside of Mark Hall taking out Cutler this year. I just I've got you know a lot of respect for Jordan Cutler. I think he you know he's a phenomenal guy. And like you said, you know remove Zahid and Mark Hall being in your weight class every year. I think you know he he could win some national titles. Um, he, when he was down at 157, which is crazy to think, he he was a monster there too, man. He he's he's awesome. You know I'm maybe I'm just a little uh, Arizona State heavy here. So the same way that I can't believe. Christian Piles always picks Chad Red for everything. I just I just can't quit Anthony Valencia. It doesn't matter how many times this guy goes 0-2 at a tournament, loses to guys that he shouldn't lose to, all these different things we've seen, you know, happening with him. I just hold on to this glimmer of hope that, you know, he's he's gonna put it all together and be what we kind of expected him to be. And I'm thinking this year, man, he's, he's going to turn a lot of heads. I think he's a dark horse, you know, to I mean, it's hard to call somebody number 10 a dark horse, but I think he uh, he's going to really put it together this year and make a deep, deep run at March. And I, I think that might start, you know, with an upset win this weekend over Labriola. I know um, definitely kind of different style matchup with those two. And 
maybe I'm crazy again. It to, it looks like I would be taking Arizona State to to shut out Nebraska in a duel is what it looks like. But I'm gonna take Valencia. I like it. I like it. I think that's a great upset call. I mean, again, Valencia has the potential. You can't go wrong there. Right. And then up at 184, um, only one notable kind of pairing, and that's only moderately notable, is, you know, we, we finally get to see, you know, number one, Zahid Valencia, and also there's going to be number eight, Taylor Vance for Nebraska. You know, I uh, I have fun little personal story about Taylor Vance. Um, he's originally from Minnesota, and uh, my uh, high school coach, who was a uh, 88 Olympian in Greco, is originally from Minnesota, and he travels back every year to watch uh, his uh, brother's um, who were uh, national champs in Minnesota, um, coach. And uh, I remember him telling a story a few years ago where he was out there. Uh, he watched this kid go out and pin his way through Minnesota State Tournament and uh, and asked his brother, who coaches at Minnesota Gordy, hey, why aren't we uh, why are we recruiting this kid? He goes, oh, we screwed up. That's the best kid in Minnesota. He's committed to Nebraska. And since then, we've seen Venn's trajectory kind of take off. Venz is a pinner on top. The dude sticks everybody. Sticks everybody. Cradles, legs, turns. The dude is a hammer on top. But uh, this is a tall order. We're talking about Zahid Valencia, maybe the most prolific point scorer we've seen. Uh, Zahid kind of be Mr. March lately. The dude um, turned it on to another level come uh, the NCAA tournament last year. Um, yeah, Zahid, Zahid takes this one. Right, for sure. Um, it, it'll be good to see Vans and, you know, somebody with the, the pinning ability of him. You know, at least there's somewhat of a threat all the time. But I just – I got, I think there's the even potential for bonus here. I think Zahid, you know, he, he's just on another planet. Absolutely. So um, a really good matchup that, that we could see at 285 with number three, Jordan Wood, and number four, Tanner Hall, who is class of 2011, I believe. Yeah, Tanner Hall, uh, I'm pretty sure, graduated high school uh, around the time I was entering high school, yet somehow still has uh, collegiate eligibility. Uh, I don't know, gray shirt, red shirt, pink shirt, who gives it? Mormon trip, also. Yeah, Can't forget the it, classic Mormon trip. Exactly, dude's stunned on his missions. and uh, But regardless, dude's ranked number four in the country. He's a top heavyweight. We've seen him take out some really solid guys. Um Jordan Wood is a heavyweight that has been in the mix for years, but hasn't quite put together that really, really deep NCAA run to break that kind of upper echelon um, tier. Uh, I think I think this is a great matchup. Honestly, I'm going to take ASU Tanner Hall in this one, beating Jordan Wood. Um, I think I think Hall is the kind of guy who's going to be a huge point scorer for the Sun Devils this year and come March. Um, if they want to make a trophy push, I'm taking Tanner Hall at 285 in this matchup. Dang. Yeah, I think that's a good one. I've always been pretty high on Tanner Hall. Um, I've always thought he was super talented, although I was always pumped when our boy Nathan Butler used to give him the business basically every time they wrestled. <laughs> Shout out Nathan Butler. Um Jordan Wood, you know, he, he's a really entertaining guy to watch as well. I think both these guys, you know, have, have a lot of, you know, skills and abilities from the neutral position that you don't see necessarily at heavyweight a lot. Um, I think sets it up to be, you know, a very entertaining match as well. Um, You know, I've, I've been very Sun Devil heavy the whole time. Why stop now? You know, what? oh, man, this is a tough one. But I, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take Tanner Hall as well. You know, it's not a 
earth-shattering upset or anything, but I'm going to take Tanner Hall over Jordan Wood as well. And uh, set up the Sun Devils lineup, you know, to to just really be in serious contention, you know, for the team trophy this year. And if Penn State and Iowa weren't so good, then maybe for a national title. But I just don't think anyone can really close that gap aside from maybe Ohio State. Yeah, and I agree with that. that that's tough, uh, tough top three, four list to crack. Right. But speaking of Penn State, we'll get our uh, first look at the number one team in the country, the Penn State Nittany Lions, as they travel to take on Navy with a, the classic 10 a.m. start time. That kind of sucks. Um, <laughs> obviously not going to be too many phenomenal matches there, but it, it's our you know first time seeing the lineup and answer some lineup questions for Penn State. You know, are they going to send Schnupp or Teske at 25? You know, you would imagine it's going to be Teske, but they still had Schnupp listed in the probables. Not real sure what that means. Um, Luke Gardner or Verclaren both listed as probables at 49. I'm, I'm imagining it's going to be Verclaren, but Gardner, you know, no slatch himself. You know, I like Schnupp just because this dude has been sitting at 125. He's bided his time his whole career at Penn State. I just like watching him go out there and compete. I know the dude gets beat a lot. I know he's the only guy that didn't qualify for Penn State last year. But I just love this dude's tenacity in every match he wrestles. It does not matter who he's competing against. He just goes out and fights. Um, That being said, for the Nittany Lions to repeat in his national champs this year, I think Teske is the better option at 125. But it's the first duel of the year. It's against Navy. Um, I'm sure Coach Sanderson will give both these guys a long, hard look at who he's going to th- roll out there. Um, I think the bigger interest in terms of probable is Verclaren. I I, I want to see Verclaren jump levels finally. Like, I know the dude was an absolute monster in his prep high school career, but we haven't quite seen him put it all together at 149. We've seen him have some good wins here, but he's taken a lot of losses to guys that in terms of his prospective potential you'd think he'd be dominating um if if the Nittany Lions are to repeat as national champs this year in what is a much more competitive national tournament um for team titles than before I think Verclaren's got to be a point score and I think this is a great opportunity for him to start out the season on the right uh right foot right I, I couldn't agree more um also notable up at 157 um, they, they listed both Brady Berge, who's number five uh, in the country right now, or Bo Pfeiffer. I think it's going to be Pfeiffer at the Penn State Media Day. Kel said it's pretty unlikely that we're going to see Brady Berge. He was uh, injured over at U23. He's actually kind of knocked out. I believe he hit his head on somebody's knee, taking a shot, something of the sort. Um, so looking like we'll probably get Bo Pfeiffer, although they still had you know Berge listed on the probables. Um, another one that was notable, uh, number seven, Shakur Rashid or Creighton Edsel, um, both listed as probables. I imagine we're going to see Rashid, but, you know, you, you never know with him. He's been the one guy that Penn State has kind of, you know, held out a little bit when he's hurt and whatnot. And actually came out in the Penn State media day. Apparently he had a torn ACL last year was the, you know, the big thing all year why he kept getting held out for matches and whatnot. And he's a guy, you know, when he's healthy, he's right there, you know, with the best of the best in the country. Obviously, probably not winning 184 this year, 
But, you know, he's right there, you know, contending for a t- to be, you know, a finalist and can be a big, big point scorer because this guy has, you know, some pinfall skills that not many other people have. Um, I believe you'll see him or someone in the probables every every single duel that Penn State has. I think it'll be another year of not sending Shakur out every single match. So I think we'll just kind of see him, you know, kind of here and there trying to keep this guy healthy. Absolutely. If Penn State, again, is going to make a national title run, they got to keep their guys healthy. I think it's a smart play for Pfeiffer to start this one. Um, I look forward to seeing Bergie kind of perform up to his ranking this season, uh, especially with uh, his kind of dominant uh, U23 trial title. Bum to see him uh, take a nasty little hit at U23s. But, yeah, get that guy healthy. Pfeiffer is a hell of a starter. He'll go out there and score points for you. Um, and then the same note, like you've already stated, I mean, Shakur is a dude that's been up and down um, with injuries and uh, a little bit with performance as well. Um, I think he can put it all together this season if he stays healthy, which um, which we already know is kind of up in the air. So I fully agree for the rest of the season. You'll see uh, a Shakur Rashid or so-and-so probable for pretty much every uh, duel or competition this season. And don't be surprised if you see Shakur take an early season loss and uh, injury to fall out of it to um, prevent further. I mean, it, he may not even be injured, but just further wear and tear on his body that he doesn't need. Um, because at the end of the day, if the Nittany Lions are going to make a return uh, national title run, uh, Rashid's a guy that needs to be healthy for him. Right, I agree. Speaking of guys that um, struggle with health, this will be our first look at number three, Kyle Connell. You know, the the Kent State transfer missed all year last year, just completely unhealthy. Um, comes over to Penn State, and there there was you know kind of there's been some question on are we going to see Cannell? Will it be Michael Beard, who we saw look look pretty good, although he lost in the finals last week. Um, we're definitely going to see Cannell at least this weekend, as Beard wasn't even wasn't listed in the probable. So this is our first look at Kyle Cannell in a Penn State singlet. Get to see what that looks like, you know if they can take the natural abilities that this guy has and refine them and get him to the next level being at Penn state versus Kent state. And, you know, if so, you know, we're, we're looking at a guy that already has two wins over the number one guy in Colin Moore. And so he's somebody that could be, you know, a huge weapon for him at March. Yeah. Hearing Cannell get injured last year was one of the biggest, bummers in recent memory in terms of wrestling because everyone would kind of rooted for him as the big underdog at Kent State and then all of a sudden seeing him and now he's like you know, done wrestling and people thought oh that means he's like done wrestling for his career and then he announces a transfer to Penn State and we we're like holy cow the rich get richer what's going on here I mean Penn State is big guy university if you're a bigger dude I mean Penn State's where you want to wrestle we already talked a little bit about uh, Kirk Viet and what's going to happen with him. We know that uh, Kyle Snyder is now working at the RTC program. So for Cannell to be in a room with a guy like Nickel, who just won a national title in 197, a guy like Kassar, a guy like Snyder, potentially, I mean, again, we don't know where Kirk is falling, but to be in a room like that, along with prolific scores like David Taylor, who's a similar weight being an 86 kilogram wrestler. I mean, if Cannell's going to jump levels and, beat Colin Moore and win a national title, this is the room he's going to do it in. Right, I, I agree. And I'm looking forward to, you know, seeing, seeing what we get out of him. Um, 
because man, I, I just the, it, you're right. Everybody just kind of has been pulling for Kyle Connell ever since you know everything happened at NCAA's two years ago, and it'd be great just to see him close. Yeah, you know, even if he doesn't end up winning a title or anything like that, I'm just hoping you know we get to see him finish up his career wrestling a full season and staying healthy. Absolutely. Um, and you know we get to see Anthony Cassar go, you know, slap somebody around. Um, not too many Anthony Cassar matches I, I want to miss. This, that dude's just—he's just fun to watch. He's just fun to watch. He was—he uh, was my favorite NCAA wrestler last year. My dad made fun of me uh, early in the season because I said uh, first tournament, I said Cassar's going to win a national title, and uh, obviously my coach, being from Minnesota, my dad were like, "No way, it's Gable all the way, no way." And uh, and uh, I got made fun of for my man crush on Anthony Kassar, so hopefully never listens to this. But uh, but no, nah, I, I love watching Kassar wrestle. Um, he's indicative of the same style of heavyweight that you come up from 197. You put on a little bit of mass. You're a little bit more athletic and a little bit faster, and you dominate. Um, yeah, that'll just be. He's just fun to watch. Like you said, he's fun to watch. Right, no doubt. So that that gets us moving on in to what we've kind of been waiting for the whole time. The probably the the biggest duel of the weekend, at least for our viewing experience, this is the biggest duel of the weekend. We have the most vested interest in it. Um, so I, I say we just do this one classic whiteboard war style, you know, 100%. weight by weight. I'll keep up with all the stuff. Um, so going down Sunday, seven o'clock Eastern on the Big Ten Network Plus. If you have that at the Cavelli Center in Columbus, Ohio. We'll have the Stanford Cardinal traveling to take on the number three team in the land, the Ohio State University Buckeyes. Correct that. The Ohio State University. The Ohio State University Buckeyes. I wish they didn't do that. I think it's so cheese, especially because they're trying to trademark it. But you know whatever. Oh, you Buckeyes. Let's go Stanford Cardinal. That's right. So not just going to go ahead and be transparent here. There may be – I'm always going to try to be as realistic as I can with picks. There could be some homer picks in this one, though. Um, Might be a little of bias. Be ready for yeah, some there, predictions. Yeah, there may be a touch of, of bias in this one. But aside from that, the things that you know we'll predict are you know within reason. Like they're not just going to be just absolutely crazy. And Stanford really has the lineup and the matchups at particular weights absolutely. to make this a very very interesting duel. Like. Not even just saying that as a guy who is, you know, loves Stanford wrestling, but this is going to be a really, really good duel, and the Buckeyes are not just going to walk over this team. No, absolutely not. This is going to be an exciting duel. Um, in my opinion, Stanford uh, is going to cement themselves in this duel as a top 25 team, regardless of the outcome. Right, I, I agree. I think that's going to be the big takeaway from this duel is, man, this Stanford team is good. All right, so let's let's just get right into it. So starting at 125, for Ohio State, we're going to see number 21, Malik Heinzelman. I think it's notable. Um, no Jordan Decatur in the probables. No Jordan Decatur listed either at 33 or 25. So to me, I think that could mean he's on his way down to 25. You know, if he if he wasn't, then, you know, he probably would be wrestling 33, I would assume. Um, obviously, his descent plan and whatnot may, may not allow him at 25 yet, but... Still woke on Decatur possibly going down. Absolutely. Decatur's a fun guy, uh, obviously, that we've watched for a while in his prep career. And uh, I, I do think the Buckeye uh, faithful are going to be excited to see Decatur get rolled out at some time this season. That being said, having Heinzelman up here, um, Heinzelman's a great, great wrestler. Uh, we know that he's been on several 
um, cadet and junior world teams for uh, the lowest allowable weight class. Um, I grew up with Malik in Colorado. He's a tough dude. But uh, if the Cardinal roll out of Townsville, I mean, I think we know who we're taking. Right, yeah. For all intents and purposes, in the probables, they listed Jackson Desario, who, you know, went last weekend, or, you know, number 14, Gabe Townsville. Um, for all intents and purposes, let's just assume Gabe is wrestling. Um, so who, who are you taking? Yeah, I'm going to take Townsville in a... 8-4 decision. Oh, you're going with the full score. Okay. Um, I could see it being something like that. I I, I was going to you know take Gabe by decision. I wasn't going to put the numbers on it. I feel you, big dog. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I think I think uh, it's, you know, it's a somewhat competitive match. I think Gabe may you know get a takedown or something late that kind of extends the lead a little bit. I think uh, Houndsman, has, I think he's going to have a better year this year than he's had, but... I think Townsville, you know, it's just it's just too much for him. So let me get that wrote down. All right. So moving on to 33, and I think this is a fairly important match here. Um, we'll have number 20, Quinn Kenner, who actually, I believe, wrestled off at 41. Um, maybe not. Uh, taking on Brandon Kier. Dalton Young not listed in the probables. Um, don't know if that is, you know, accurate or not. So, But for all intents and purposes, we're just going to assume it's going to be Brandon Kier for Stanford. Absolutely, and uh, 33, 57, and 84 are matches that I kind of have pegged as these are matches that the Cardinal need to go their way. Um, Kinner is not the classic Ohio State Buckeye, just hammer that's going to go out there and get you bonus points, which I think makes this a very winnable match um, for the Cardinal. Uh, However, to kind of, I mean, to play devil's advocate a little bit, I'm going to take Kinner in this match and uh, see the match sitting at a 3-3 tie heading into uh, our premier matchup that we'll talk about in a second. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think this is one, you know, if if Stanford can, you know, a, a big match that they can steal. Oh, I'm struggling with it. You know what? I'm I'm going to do it. I'm pulling the trigger. Um I'm taking Brandon Kier. I mean, I, I think Brandon Kier is super scrappy. Um, you know, seen him wrestling some in some big matches. He's, he's not scared at the moment. The dude's going to bring it. Um, Kenner, I, I really feel like he wrestled off at 41 for some reason. Um, so I'm not sure, you know, how he is as far as weight at 133. Who knows? His first duel. Just... There's probably no real good. I'm trying to sit here and justify reasons. There's probably no actual good reason. Um, I'm taking Brandon Kier though. I, I like it. leading six zero. I like it. See, I do know. Uh, I mean, again, I don't know a lot about Kinner. I know he's not a prolific point scorer, but I do know he did take a uh, a pretty deep finals match with Philippi last weekend. Um, I think he takes that momentum a little bit into this match against Kier. I think, unfortunately, I think he gets our boy Brandon here. Is it um, too late for me to retract my statement? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're here all the way. I like it. I like it. Um, and that sets us up for what I think is going to be the most fun matchup of this duel. Right, I agree. I'm 141. This is going to be probably this is for for you know for what it's worth to me. I think this is one of the best matches of the entire weekend anywhere. Yeah, um, so I have no, newly things. crowned number one Luke Pletcher. Um, his last home opener, taking on number 15, you know, the 
freshman sensation, real woods. Uh, man, this match is going to be awesome. I mean, I think everyone in the country knows that uh, real is not the number 15 wrestler in the country. Right. Let's just put that out there. I promise you that there are not 14 guys in this country for NCAA Division I wrestling who are better than real woods. And I know Luke Pletcher just came off of beating Dom Demas. But real, I I can never bet against real woods. I mean, this kid just knows how to win matches. No matter who he's wrestling against, no matter where he's wrestling, this kid knows how to win. I'm taking real woods, beating Luke Pletcher by a late takedown in the end of the third period to take another number one 141-pounder out. I think Real just shows out, really puts the card on the ramp, really cements himself as, hey, get rid of that 15 ranking, bro. I deserve to be in the top five in the country because I'm here to stay. Right, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with basically everything you said there. Um, I am a Pletcher fan. I do like Luke Pletcher. Um, I think he's a solid wrestler. You know, he's really, you know, positionally sound, all, all these things, but... Man, all the stuff he said about real is true. This guy, he just he just goes out there and he just wins. You know, I watched him at the scuffle last year and was like, man, this guy right here is he's going to be something special. Um, I think it gets started right here. You know, week two of the season. Um, I've got real Woods taking out Pletcher. Also, I think it's going to be you know real close match late. I think it's going to be low scoring, maybe you know four four three, maybe some you know something of the you know ballpark of that, maybe three two. Um, I've got real taking it late, too, though. That's what I like to see. That's what I like to see. And I don't even think that that's a homer pick. I just honestly think Real Woods is uh, I think that's just who I'm picking. If you're just a student of the sport and a fan of wrestling and you follow wrestling enough, I think this is one where no matter if you're an Ohio State fan, a Cardinal fan, or a neutral fan, you have to put Pletcher on upset alert here because – Real Woods is not the number 15 ranked wrestler. This dude is not a kind of just right in that decent tier wrestling. This kid is going to push for a national title this year at 141. And uh, yeah, I, I can't ignore the fact that this this is a match that looks really, really uh, Real Woods-esque. Right, I agree. So going on up to 149, we've got another good one at number five, Sammy Sasso. And another notable thing here, no Keyshawn listed at 49 or at 57. So not sure. You know, we've been kind of on Keyshawn watch since last weekend. We don't really know what he's going to do. Not getting any answers this week. Um, he'll be taking on number 19, Raquel Vandermeer of Stanford. This is a match for the Cardinal. Um, I mean, holy cow. We've, we've already seen around the country. We've seen Askren talk about it. We've seen Flo talk about it. Sasso is on early Hodge Trophy watch. And I can't deny that here. Um, I love Raquir. The dude is a hammer. Dude is solid as they come. But, uh, but in my opinion, I mean, this is a match where if you're the Cardinal, uh, I, I, I want to see Raquir not give up bonus points because Sasso is going to rack him up. And I unfortunately think I think Sasso gets a major uh, at this at this weight. Dang, I was hoping I was going to be the one to finally take a major. 
Yeah, you know, same thing. I think Require, you know, very tough guy. I think, you know, obviously going to have a good year. I expect, you know, big things out of Require, but Sammy Sasso, man, this guy's just electric. And I just feel like this is one of those things, too, where he's the type of guy in the season opener, you know, and essentially his career opener at home. This, that place is going to be rocking. The crowd's going to be into it. I think he, you know, he's the type of guy that's going to feed off of the crowd, feed off of the energy. And I could see him, you know, picking up a score too late and get getting a bonus. Yeah, I agree. You know, as I sit here and look at the the scores we have, is it? Are you sure it's not too late for me to retract my statement at one thirty three? Because I just looking at the <laughs> scores, I think I might have this wrong. I'll revisit this at the end. Right. Yeah, let's. We'll go through uh, our projected scores yeah. and the small difference between them. Right. So at one fifty seven. Um. Ohio State only listed Elijah Cleary, no Jaden Maddox. Um, he's going to be taking on Tyler Ashens, and Stanford did not list Gabe Donette either. Um, so assume these are both going to be the guys for right now. Again, this is a match that I have uh, similar to 133, where it's kind of a uh, a flip of the coin. Not necessarily flip of the coin, but this is a match that if you're looking for the Cardinal to upset the Buckeye, this this is this is a match that you need as a Cardinal fan. Um, the Buckeyes do not have their classic hammer um, like they've had in the past. Um, and with no Maddox listed, um, we know Maddox is very capable of wrestling. Um, I think Ishins goes out there. Um, again, Ishins is former world team member in Greco. The dude has some tricks up his sleeve. Um, he had a pretty good tournament this past weekend at the Citadel um, and looked uh, fairly solid against Larry Early, who he knows is a top-ranked 57-pounder. I'm definitely taking Aishins in this one, and I think he puts the Cardinal uh, right back into the uh, mix of this duel. Right, yeah. Just like you were saying with 33, I think this is one of those matches that's, you know, if, if Stanford wanting to keep this duel close and maybe even, you know, pull the upset, then they need to pull this one off. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take Cleary here, unfortunately. Um, I, I think he's been looking good all year. I was looking forward to him having a pretty good year and then seeing him in the, in the wrestle-offs. I thought he looked he looked really good. Um, maybe maybe this will kind of balance out my pick at 33. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, I, yeah, this is definitely a winnable match for Stanford. So on, even though I'm picking Cleary on the inside, really pulling for you, Tyler. <laughs> no, so, I think I think Ishin shows out a little bit in this one. Yeah, man, I, I hope so for real. So going on up to sixty-five, um, we have number twelve, Ethan Smith. No Carson Karsla listed, so looking like for the time being, gonna keep the shirt on that is red. Um, gonna be taking on another phenom, number eight, Shane Griffith. I know we like Ethan Smith. We talked about him. Last weekend, um, with uh, I believe it was Michigan State Open, uh, we know Karkla is a hammer as well, but he's not listed. Um, Shane, very much like real, is probably more deserving of a higher ranking, and I think you'll see Griffith climb the rankings this season. Um, I think Shane not only goes out there and beats Smith, I think he takes care of business in dominating fashion. I'm putting Griffith down for a major against Gosh Smith. darn it, man. I thought I was going to die. I'm dogging you. Well, but, I mean, let's look at it from, like, a realistic perspective, Andrew. Like, we've seen Griffith compete so much. Do you think 
that Griffith doesn't just rack up the points in this one? Like, is there any way that he doesn't rack up the points? Uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, I couldn't agree more. Dang, man, I was really hoping I was going to get to, you know, kind of change it up here. But, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think Griffith is just next-level talent. Um, I think he's going to climb, you know, climb the ladder some in the rankings. Obviously, the top is kind of hard to break through until you actually get some head-to-heads with those guys. But I think this guy, you know, he's right there in that top tier. So, be sweet if we could, you know, steal a bonus point here. Absolutely, absolutely. So then at 174, we've got number 21, Caleb Romero, and no Rocky Jordan listed in the probables. And so maybe, you know, I, I kind of, I, last week I said I was woke on Rocky Jordan possibly going up to 84. Um, not sure if him not being listed here, you know, necessarily means anything, but it is notable that he's not listed. Um, going to be taking on either Jared Hill or Foster Carmen, And, you know, Jared Hill, we didn't see last week. We, we were kind of expecting him to be the guy. Um, but Foster Carmen actually had a you know, pretty nice weekend for himself. So I'm, I'm not entirely sure which guy's going to go here. Yeah. Um, first, I think your call about Rocky Jordan is going to be spot on. And I'm slating you down as the guy who said it first. Um, I think when you talk about putting out your best 10, um, if Ohio State wants to make a legitimate Buckeye run into a, a trophy spot, you've got to have uh, Rocky Jordan in your lineup somewhere. Um, so I'm pegging you as the guy who said that first, that uh, Rocky Jordan's going to be up at 184 at some time this season for the Buckeyes. Um, I'm I'm torn on this one because uh, I get it. Caleb Romero sporting a 21st in the country ranking, um, but both Carmen and Hill are really, really solid, solid wrestlers. Um, and this is another match that you'd love to see the Cardinals steal. Uh, but I think, uh, I think Romero gets this one. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't know. Again, I don't know a ton about Foster Carmen, but I you know know Jared Hill very well, and there there's not you know too many guys that are going to go on the mat and wrestle as hard as Jared Hill is, whether he's wrestling you know Kel Sanderson or he's wrestling a JV kid. Um, this guy he's he's going to wrestle 110 percent. Makes it really hard to score you know bonus points on because this isn't a guy that you know if he's down seven three you know late in the match that he's just going to kind of concede it and you know give up a turn or something that you know, we probably shouldn't have and end up losing by major instead. So I think whoever we send, you know, is able to keep this to a decision. And, you know, who, who you know, crazy things happen. We've seen Caleb Romero kind of up and down all over the place. Would be nice if this is one that Stanford could steal, but uh, I've got Caleb Romero also. And that brings us to uh, 184, where we kind of, again, have a match uh, that if it goes the Cardinal way, could result in the duel going the cardinal way. The cardinal way. I like, I like the cardinal way. Coach Jason Brother would approve of that. That's cardinal caliber. <laughs> <clears throat> so, yeah, we'll have Gavin Hoffman or Zach Steiner. So, you would assume Hoffman, like, that's who everybody thought was going to be the guy. But then Steiner wins the wrestle-off, and Hoffman doesn't do well last weekend either. Um, so, not sure who we're going to get there going to be taking on either Nick Addison or Colby Harlan. And so another question I have is where I, where's Judah doom? You know, I, I kind of thought he might be the guy I forgot about Colby Harlan. He, he's actually really tough. 
Um, I still, I just kind of thought Judah Doom was at least going to be, you know, right there in the mix to be the guy this year. Didn't wrestle last weekend. We didn't send anybody in 84. Um, and not listed on the probables for this, so I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, I don't know who's going to take the mat. I'm going to assume Colby Harlan, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm kind of bummed to not see Judah in the lineup, too, because, I mean, you and I both really like Judah. We love his style. We like him as a person. He's a goofy, tough dude. Um, and I know when I talk to uh, our buddies in the room, like, Judah's always right up there in terms of just being able to compete and hammer. Um, so I'm bummed he's not out. Um, I think this one comes out to both who the Buckeyes roll out and who the Cardinal roll out. Um, we know Hoffman has high potential, but like you said, he did not look super dominant or great this past week in the Michigan State Open. We know Steiner beat him. Um, I think if the Cardinal roll out Colby, I think this is Colby's match. Dang, nice upset pick there. Um, I know, yeah, he, he has some some good results last year. He's definitely a tough guy. Um, I'm, I'm wor- kind of working under the assumption it's going to be Hoffman and Harlan. Um, you know... As, as winnable of a match as it is for Colby Harlan, and I'm definitely going to be pulling for him. I'm just going to – I kind of just have to go with, with my gut feeling that, that Hoffman is, you know, the better guy and kind of gets back on track and kind of starts heading towards the direction we expected him to be. So, unfortunately, I'm, I'm going to take uh, Ohio State by decision here. I agree. And actually, from a more unbiased perspective, because I want to I want to put this duel out like it's the best possible case scenario for Stanford but I am a little worried at 84 if Hoffman comes out like a ball on fire that this is a scary potential bonus point loss yeah for us that's what I'm thinking too so I kind of met myself in the middle and at least went decision with it so then going on up to 97 we got a, a really good match here um number one Colin Moore who's coming off of you know the the super scary match with Jake Woodley last weekend taking on number 12 Nathan Traxler who were both you know very high on yeah uh we know Trax has been a prolific 197 pounder um he's the guy that I think more than I mean again I say that but a lot more than the other guys we've seen in terms of experience wrestling in Marsh is the guy that we kind of have pegged as our next Cardinal All-American between him and Gabe both having Marsh experience. Um, but Trax hasn't quite jumped into that next level. Uh, we saw him, I mean, again, it was Bo Nickel. Um, we saw him get beat pretty bad by Bo Nickel last year. We've seen him take uh, a couple losses to Jay Yellow from Virginia. Um, I think this is going to be a great matchup, a great opportunity for tracks to show out. But, uh, but I, I think, I think Colin Moore, uh, gets him here, but don't be surprised if tracks takes Colin Moore into deep water. Um, I'm taking Colin Moore in decision, but if you let guys hang around like Colin Moore has in the past, um, past couple seasons and in particular last weekend against Oklahoma, if he lets tracks hang around, I mean, that's going to give, tracks are some confidence and don't be surprised if you see a uh, upset here late in the match but i'm still taking Colin Moore by decision right yeah i think tracks is one of the one of the few guys at 197 that you know possesses the skills on his feet to actually you know hang in there with Colin Moore i think you know i, I think he gets you know a takedown or two in this match um it, i think a lot of it depends on how Colin Moore comes back from you know the the match last weekend, if he comes out a little, you know, a little rattled, trying to play, you know, maybe playing it, you know, close to the vest and being conservative, 
you know, don't be surprised if we see Traxler, you know, take this match really deep and, you know, maybe even pull off the upset. But if he comes out, you know, and, and is calling more and he's just on fire, um, I see this being a decision. I could see it maybe being, you know, a pretty one side, like a eight, four, nine, five type decision where, you know, it wasn't necessarily re- really in, you know, in the balance or anything. Um, but man, wouldn't it be awesome if we could see Traxler, you know, kind of break through starting off here and, t- you know, taking out Colin Moore. That would be awesome to see. It would be. And our final matchup. Oh, yeah. So at heavyweight, we got number nine, Chase Singletary or Gary Traub. We're just going to assume it's Chase Singletary because, um, yeah, we're going to be taking on David Showing Me. And no Trevor Rasmussen listed. So I guess um, after the, the results last weekend, show is going to kind of be the guy for the time being. Um, who knows? We can see that, you know, juggled around a little bit, though, later on. Yeah, I'm excited to see. Uh... Coach Borelli and the Cardinal staff commit to a heavyweight for this one. I think that gives uh, at least the appearance of a little bit more confidence in show, which I think is great for David because um, I think he needs it. And I think he is a, I mean, again, we talk about physically imposing guys. If you see this dude walk out on the mat across from you, and we're going to talk about this every time we talk about David, by the way, if you see this guy walk out across the mat from you, you honestly might believe that you're looking at like a chiseled Greek God. Like the kid is a freak. A freak, absolute specimen, really strong, really athletic, has some good technique. Um, we know the Buckeyes did not roll out Singletary last week in the Michigan State Open. Um, so maybe he's just listed here as more of a scare tactic because Trout did wrestle last weekend. Um, and, I mean, again, didn't perform great. If Singletary is out there, um, unfortunately, I think he beats Show, But Show is a guy that can hang around. Um, he is... Uh, strong, fast, and uh, technical enough to keep it close. Uh, I'm taking Chase Singletary here by uh, decision. So you got Singletary by decision. Yeah, um, I agree with some of the points you said. I, I like one point that you made um, about Coach Borelli and staff, you know, only listing, you know, one guy and what, you know, what that can do for the confidence of a guy. You know, you see that, that they're putting the label on you as, you know, hey, you're the guy we're sending. We've got faith in you. And mentally, that can do a lot for you. And, you know, just from knowing show personally, I think, you know, that confidence, you know, factor is big for him. And I think I think it could lead to, you know, some better performances. However, just don't think he's, you know, obviously he's not on Chase Singletary's level. Um, and... I've actually got Singletary penciled in for a major here. I could see him uh, with with somebody like Show, you know, being not your you know your typical heavyweight. I think that you know a lot of action could be happening on their feet in this. I could see you know maybe a takedown and release in the third period, you know, trying to push for the major. Um, so I've actually got four for the Buckeyes here. All right, and what does that bring us down to? In Let me count. I think I count, I think I counted this up wrong the first time. Let me count one more time. So if you got anything you want to plug, just go ahead. Yeah, let me. I'm gonna I'm gonna double count with you on what my picks were. Um, oh, yeah, at you the just count yours. I'll get mine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll let you do yours. Okay, so at 25, I've got Cardinal. Great radio. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, I, I did have it right. I think you you're going to be surprised by your score. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. 
Uh, well, I'll just go ahead and, and get mine off. I actually, so I've got Ohio State winning the duel 20 to 13, which I think is, you know, very, very within balance of happening. Um, I had them taking, you know, all four of the last weights, but I also had Stanford opening up, taking all three weights. Could definitely see some variance in all of those results. Um, looking for a strong showing from Stanford, would really love to see them, you know, push this duel and you know make it super close and if they stole this man i would uh that would that be oh, the greatest be the thing i've seen in a while century, right <laughs> it would be so awesome be the upset of the century but uh so what did uh what'd you what'd you end up with i'm counting them up still i gotta make sure it's uh, all correct let's see uh, 74 i have romero oh this is looking too close dude i don't like oh, it oh bro i can't wait till you see it <sighs> what did i say 74. Did I say Romero? 74, you had Romero uh, decision. Decision, okay. And then you had Stanford decision, 84. Okay. Ohio decision, 97 and heavy. (laughs) 84 is card at 3. 97 is Buckeye at 4. Oh, you had 3. Yeah, yeah, you had 3. Buckeye 3 and 285, I have Buckeye at 3 again. All right, let's see. So we have four, the Buckeye. We have seven, ten, sixteen for the Buckeye. And for the Cardinal, please. We have, I already know how this is going to turn out now. Three, six, nine, thirteen, seventeen. Oh, you have seventeen? Oh, you do. So I have the Cardinal upsetting the Ohio State University, seventeen to sixteen. I, I thought you had six. I have sixteen for you. You have sixteen for me. Okay, let me tell you what I got. I got three at one twenty-five. Yep. Three at one forty-one. Yep. Three at fifty-seven. Yep. Four at sixty-five. Yep. Thirteen. And three Sorry, you're right. I have a sixteen-sixteen tie. The classic tie. 16-16 tiebreaker, which then <laughs> goes to who won more matches than who won time. So essentially, this matchup is going to be so freaking wide open. We literally have a six-point spread from Hinsey, right? 19-13? 13-20. 20 so a seven-point spread and a deadlock tie. If there is a matchup to watch this weekend where you will see a top five team potentially going down, you're going to want to tune in to the Stanford v. Ohio State University duel. Um, if not for the overall result, at the very least, you're going to want to watch Luke Pletcher and Real Woods, and you're going to want to watch Ethan Smith and Shane Griffith, and you're going to want to watch Colin Moore and Nathan Traxler. And at that point, you might as well watch the whole freaking duel. Make sure you invest in the Stanford Cardinal. Put some stock in the Cardinal. They are a top 25 team this year, and I think you need to put the Buckeyes on upset alert this weekend. If anything, you can watch this, so if it unfortunately doesn't go how we predicted, you can tell us how nice our uh, cardinal-colored glasses look. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> if, if this uh, duel turns out to be a blowout, don't be afraid to send us uh, quote-unquote questions. It sounds something like, are you stupid, or how could you be this dumb? All of um, most of you are. <laughs> okay. We will we will more than gladly answer those with our cardinal colored, rose colored, pretty colored, Jason Borelli colored glasses. 
Yes, sir. So we'll, we'll finish it off with one more pick. Possibly the biggest thing happening across America in this weekend, if not the entire century. Okay, maybe not century, but Pretty we've much. got the Alabama-LSU game, number one versus number two at Bryant-Denny Stadium. I know I probably have a little more, you know, heart and soul in this game, being from Alabama and whatnot. Um, but, I mean, I think anybody can be a football fan. And, hey, and, hey, hey, don't count yeah. out. Don't count out my Cajun brothers, all right? Louisiana-born, don't count out my Cajun family. You're Louisiana-born? No, my family is. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, with that, I mean, I got to assume you're taking LSU then, right? Heck, yeah, I'm taking LSU. Screw Bama. We hate the Tide. Oof. Yeah, you know, I, th- I think it's going to be a really good game. I actually – I actually like LSU too, and you know if they if they win, I hope they go on and you know do some great things. But you know I've, I've got to roll with the tide here. I As think, you should. Right. I think last weekend LSU did not look overly impressive against Auburn, although their defense is super good and will make any team look not great. Um, neither one. You know, this is a complete reverse of how it usually is. You know, usually both teams are phenomenal on defense and. Neither one really has too explosive of an offense, which can lead to, you know, not the most exciting games. This year, neither team's defense is really great, and both have super high-powered offenses. So this will there will be more points scored probably in this Alabama-LSU game than, like, the last three combined. Yeah, I was going to say. And what's kind of surprising to me from a football fan perspective is uh, I, I'm actually a little bit surprised to see LSU rank this high this early. I know they are a very highly touted team. But I don't know. Top four ranking is kind of high. I'm really surprised that the CFP rankings snubbed Clemson in the first rankings. Um, but Penn State up there? I don't know if I can quite stomach that. Um, I know Clemson hasn't looked great, but I don't think that results in Penn State leapfrogging them. Yeah, I, I can get on board with LSU being number one. I think they kind of have the best wins of anybody this year. But I'm, I'm with you. I, I don't... I don't. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I, I agree. Clemson hasn't looked great, but behind Penn State, eh, which also, oh, go ahead. L- luckily, you know, it'll play itself out when Penn State, Ohio State play each other. But still, eh. yeah, I don't know. Also, fun little interview thing too, because I I do love Alabama football. I love what that program does, um, and I I really am a fan of Coach Saban. There was an awesome interview this past week. Um, that was actually done uh, by like Kobe Bryant, um, and it was literally Saban and Kobe in a meeting together talking about what makes the best athletes in terms of mentality. If you haven't checked that uh, that interview out, you should definitely do it because Nick Saban is not just a man of football, but he's just a man who understands how to build successful people and successful athletes. Um, I, I, I'm big on Alabama football, even though I root against them a lot just because they win. Um, but, I mean, holy cow, Nick Saban is a, is a football genius. Right, yeah, he's just a, a man of wisdom. I, there's not too many. Similar to, like, I, you know, I try not to miss too many Thomas Brands interviews because you just never know what you're going to get. I try not to miss too many Nick Saban interviews because usually good for a funny moment or two, and they're just full of wisdom. Absolutely. Well, my man, I know you've got class coming up. Um, this thing was like a full two hours, so 
I love it. I love it. I, I do too, I, man. I feel like I could just sit it. here and keep talking all day. Was really just looking forward to doing that whiteboard war for Stanford. Um, looking forward to doing some more of those in the future too. Um, so I guess we probably won't won't do this again till you know maybe Tuesday or so, kind of recapping everything from over the weekend. So um, have have a nice weekend, man. And I guess I'll uh, talk to you then. You too, brother. I'll catch up with you later. All right. Make sure to interact with us on you know Twitter, Instagram. Um, a lot of you know us personally. Reach out to us just through text message, Snapchat, whatever. And uh, thank you all for listening. Absolutely. We'll catch you guys soon on uh, the next episode of The Challenge Brick.